0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at GracePointAtlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. What gift
1: of Steadfast love, my dear
0: So many times we think that this life, this side of eternity depends on us. And Lord, we do our best and yet we still fall short. God, would you help us to see that God you've supplied everything we need. That what Paul was saying, yet not I, but through Christ in me. God, you've already overcome the grave. You've already overcome sin. You've already overcome shame. God, you've you've given to us everything we need. Lord, would you help us to just plug into you and to abide with you and to be with you? Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. I ask God that you would open our eyes to see you. God, would you open our ears to hear from you? Would you open our minds? God to begin to understand you in a new way. But God, most importantly, I ask God that you would open up our hearts. God, you would open up our hearts that we might experience you this morning and not leave here the same way we came in. God, we might leave with a renewed hope, with a renewed passion, with a renewed um, fervor for your kingdom and for your namesake. And God, if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, who came into this place and they don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would begin to draw their heart, continue to draw their heart to you. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. We ask that you would bless it and and teach us in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. If you're here and you're like, you know, I I don't have one of these conference books. I'm seeing people carry them around. Our team members will come out. And uh, this is a great way to take notes this morning. Um, If you need one, just kind of put your hand up. They'll be happy to give you one as we prepare for this next piece. This idea of obedience, we've been talking about it all week, this idea of saying, God, you know what, I, I want what you want, yes, Lord, whatever that is, um, and so to, this morning we're going to continue into this idea. We, we started um, last week looking in Isaiah chapter 6 at this, at this beautiful story of revival, and what does this look like for us as believers today. Uh, and so we're going to kind of wrap this whole thing up in, in this neat, neat little box, and hopefully we'll put a bow on the top of it, and it'll be great. And we go, man, what, a, what an awesome time. It'd be really easy to just say, wow, that was great. Thank you, Lord. Those, those teenagers, those, those college students, they were awesome. They're so passionate and on fire for God. Wow. But man, if we miss it, if that's all we say. We miss it because this morning God is asking us to be an imitator of Him, not to be imitations. Look at Isaiah chapter six verse eight. Uh, we've been going back to this story every single night. This is what Isaiah says. After he's seen God high and exalted like we saw last Sunday morning, after he's humbly and honestly admitted his failures before God, after He's experienced the forgiveness of God, then he hears God's voice, and it says this, "Whom shall I send as a messenger?" to this people and who will go for us. God is asking the same thing today. Who will I send and who will go for us? Who will go in to the highways and the byways? Who will go in and be my witness in the hospital? Who will go in and be my witnesses in the grocery store, in the feed store, in the fields, or wherever it is you work and live, who will be my messengers there? Who will go for us? Then Isaiah says at the end of that, then I said, here I am send me. And I don't think Isaiah was doing this in a, in a like little meek posture because Isaiah was the only one in the temple. And I guarantee you Isaiah like is overwhelmed at the glory and the magnitude of who God is and overwhelmed at his forgiveness. And we said it last week, Isaiah was probably jumping up and down, waving his arms, here, pick me, pick me, I'll go. I'll be your witness. I'll be the person. That's the sign of a revived life. A life that just says, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be your man. I'll be your woman. Whatever, whenever, wherever. I'll be the one that goes for you. God wants you and I to be imitators. There's a difference between imitation and imitator. Do you know that? Imitation says this, counterfeit or not real. Real. Anybody in here like to bake? And guys, it's okay if you raise your hand as well. Anybody in here like to bake? So when you go to the store and and the recipe calls for vanilla, do you buy imitation vanilla or do you buy the real vanilla? I I don't know about you, but like imitation, just just the word imitation in itself, I'm like, "Mm, I I don't like, okay, you guys don't understand this because you're from the north, sweet tea. Y'all don't have that here. Like we walked into the restaurant and said, do you have sweet tea? She said, well, we have sugar that we can give you. It's not the same. You can't put enough sugar in that to make it sweet tea. Like I had a great, great aunt growing up who she would make sweet tea and one gallon of sweet tea was two cups of sugar. Oh wait, there's more. And six saccharins. You got a cavity just thinking about sweet tea. Like it was, that was sweet tea. But you you get those little imitation packets, you know, the blue stuff, the pink stuff, the yellow stuff. It's just not the same as the real thing. Like it leaves this bitter aftertaste in your mouth and an imitation is something that leaves us still longing, still looking for something more. It's a counterfeit. It's not real. Imitator says this following a pattern, a model, or an example to resemble or to reproduce. We must become imitators of God, not imitations. God is not asking us to be God. And remember, that's what Satan tempted Eve with in the garden. If you eat of the fruit, you will be like God, you will be an imitation. God said, no, it's about being an imitator. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit this morning. Please don't take pictures of this and put it up on the internet, okay? This is me as a little boy. I know all of you are like, oh, you're so cute. What happened? I grew up. This is my dad. Um, I was probably three in this picture, which would put my dad at about 20. Uh, Do the math, you'll realize again, I think I've shared this, my parents um, conceived me outside of wedlock as seniors in high school. They got married and they've been together. Uh, This year will be 48 years in marriage. It's not been easy. It's been hard for them. But growing up, my hero was my dad. In this picture, you can see I'm wearing like the exact same suit as my dad. Like, I, like, I've got the, the, the vest on. You can see, you can tell the era that it's the 70s, you know, the really nice, wide collars. Like, I wanted to be like my dad. I looked up to him, not just because he was taller than me, but I looked up to him. Now he looks up to me because I'm taller than he is. I was his mini me. You know, to this day, I still hold my dad up as my hero. Why? Um, was he perfect? No. Did he have it all together? No. Did he never discipline me out of anger? No. But he was my dad. Here's a a picture of me at my wedding with my dad. And then that's us probably two years ago. If you look at us, you're like, wow, you guys look like brothers. Yeah, I'm the blonde version of my dad. Um, When my dad's work would call, you know, I'd answer the phone and they would just start right in. Hey, Sonny, just start like blasting in everything they're going. And I'm like, stop. This is his son, Ryan. They're like, oh my gosh, you sound so much like your dad. Very thankful they didn't say, oh my gosh, you sound so much like your mom. Like I'm, I'm grateful for that thing. I'm grateful that people would be like, wow, you look like your dad. You think like you're like, your, your dad. Yeah. I loved my dad and I still do. Here's why I love him. Here's why I want to imitate him, simply because he's my dad. He loves Jesus. He's real. He's hardworking. He's loving. He's broken. He's messed up. But he's quick to ask for forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, to the Christians there. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children man i I look at this and i go wow yeah i I can i can see that lived out in my own life as to why i wanted to imitate my dad was because guess what i was his dear child I, i remember he'd go off to work and i'd go into his closet and grab his big shoes and i'd grab his tie and do my best to put it on and i'd i'd get his coat and it just it wouldn't fit and but i would walk around the house and pretend to be like my dad And you know what? That's what God wants us to do, to pretend to be like our dad, the perfect father. Imitate God, therefore, in some of the things that you do. Imitate God, therefore, only on Sundays. I don't, I just want to put this out there for you. Um, How many of you go out to eat lunch after church on Sunday? Okay, those of you who do fantastic, can I tell you that as a waiter, as a previous waiter, Sundays were the days we hated the most? The worst tips, the worst customers, because they moaned and complained and groaned about everything, and yet where had most of them just come from? Church. Imitate God when you're only in the church building. No, we're to imitate God in everything. Everything we do in every conversation, in every place, in every moment, in every time, in every relationship, imitate God. Verse 2 goes on and he says, This live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma. To God, do you realize that when you and I get the Christian life right and we realize that it's a, to be an imitator of God, our life is like a sweet aroma to God because everything we think, everything we do, everything we say, everywhere we go, it becomes this offering to God that God, my life is yours. Paul encouraged us to be imitators of God. But not only that, do you realize that Jesus lived a life in such a way to show us how even he was an imitator of the Father? You're like, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was God. He is God. He is all God. But look at what he says in John five nineteen. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus came to live this life to show us what it means to be an imitator, what it means to imitate God. We're constantly looking to him to say, God, what are you doing? Where are you at work? What are you about? What are you saying? May I say and do and be those things. We are not to be imitations, but we are to be imitators. How? How? How do we imitate God? Well, Paul clearly points it out, and he says this, believe you are dearly loved. Believe that you're dearly loved. It must start from this aspect of knowing that you're loved by God the Father and that you're his child. Ephesians 5.1 says, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. And we are loved by God. Question Do you believe it? Do you believe that God loves you? I think a lot of us could say, I know that I'm loved. I know in my mind that God loves me because his word says, for God so loved the world. And there was a pastor at one point who said, take out that word world and put your name in there. For God so loves Ryan that he gave his one and only son. I get it. That's cerebral that's in my mind. That's, I know that to be a fact, but do you believe it? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that you're dearly loved? Because once you believe it, we've said this all week long, once you believe that you're loved, it will change how you behave. It will change the way you think and the way you act and the way you move. It will change who you are because what we believe will determine how we behave. So we must start with this idea that we're loved by God. We're his children. He doesn't love us more because of what we do. He doesn't love us less because of what we do either. He loves us completely simply because we're his children. I've said this many times to our daughters. Even our oldest daughter, Abby, when she was, uh, you know, choosing things that were like completely against what we said, hey, you shouldn't live life this way. Like I never will forget. I sat her down at one point and said, are you trying to make us stop loving you? Because it will never happen. I love you simply because of one thing. You're my daughter. And guess what? You'll never be able to stop being my daughter. I love you simply because of that. We also imitate God by living a life filled with love. Living a life filled with love. Believing that you are loved makes living a life of love possible. Believing that I'm loved by God the Father and not just knowing it, but like believing it in my core helps me to then live out this idea of love and to live a life filled with love. Look at Ephesians 5, 2. Live a life filled with love. Meaning everywhere I go, I should be leaving love Everywhere. It's all about love. Listen, we've spent lots of time this week looking at what a revived life looks like. It's an it's a honest life. It's a humble life. It's a life of forgiveness, a life of grace, a, a life of living at peace with others. But Paul takes this imitator idea a step further because he says, live a life filled with love. We a lot of times use others as our measuring stick, don't we? Well, I love more than they do. But Paul takes it a step further. And, and, and I, you got to love Paul sometimes. And sometimes you got to be like, dude, I don't love you really. Because look at what he says. We should follow the example of Christ. How should we love? We should love like Christ loved. Ephesians 5.2 says, following the example of Christ. Wait a minute, Ryan. Are you telling me I need to lay my life down? Sure. How did Christ love us? He loved us to the point of offering his life for you and I. He was willing to give everything so that we could know the Father. Question Am I willing to give everything so that others might come to know the Father? There are times where, I'll be honest, I can't love like this because I'm selfish, I'm broken, I'm messed up. I can't love like Jesus. See, the cross shows us the death of Christ. Uh, and, And we look at this at Easter. It shows the forgiveness for our sins, the payment, his willingness to humble himself completely and fully to the will of the Father, to bring glory to God, if we follow Christ's example of sacrifice, then our lives will be a pleasing aroma to God as well, but we can't do this on our own. The empty tomb this is what I love about Easter. Um, we, we celebrate the death of Christ on Friday, and then we come in on Easter Sunday, which was just a couple weeks ago, right? And we celebrate the what? The resurrection. Like, I don't know if your church does this, but back home, we would say, he is risen. And the church would say, he is risen indeed. Exactly. Like, he is not here. And we celebrate and we get all excited. And it's like, woo, praise Jesus, he's alive. And then what happens to the next Sunday? It's back to business as usual, right? We put on this great show and this have this amazing music and this great celebration. And then the next Sunday, it's just, we're back to business as usual. Because the resurrection of Christ has never changed us from the inside out. We thank God for the cross and for salvation, but we miss the empty tomb in its true reality and what it offers to us as believers. Because the empty tomb offers to us the power to live. The power of life. Look at Ephesians 1:19 and 20. Paul writes to the church, In Ephesus, and he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. If I believe that God is who he says he is, and I've put my faith and trust in him for my salvation, Paul is saying, listen, it's more than just that. I pray that you'll believe in the great power for us who believe. God has given to you and I this amazing power, It's kind of like if I were to take a lamp and put it up here on the stage and like turn out all the lights, and if we could get it like pitch black, like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, and then I were to reach over and turn that lamp on and just sit there and keep clicking it and wonder, why is the light not coming on? I've missed something, haven't I? I didn't plug it in. Like for the lamp to do what the lamp was created to do, we must plug it into the power source of the outlet, For the Christian to live the Christian life, we must get plugged into the power source. And the power source is God and his great power for us. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 20. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor, high and lifted up, In God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What is? This is the same power that God has given to us as believers. Look at it. Verse 19. I pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That spoke to a dead body and said, wake up that spoke to a large rock that took several humans to move in place and said, get out of the way. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Oh, church, this is where it gets good. This is where if we could truly begin to grasp this, the resurrection of Christ should be more than just a celebration on Easter. It should be a celebration every Sunday. You realize that's why we changed worship to Sundays, right? So that every week we would remember the resurrection. Because the resurrection should impassion. It should affect and electrify. It should elevate and empower. It should encircle, energize, engage, and enhance. It should enlarge, enlighten, enslave, and ensnare. It should entangle, enthrall, entreat, equip. It should erupt and establish. It should evoke and excite. It should exhilarate and expand. It should explode in our lives. Yet many times, it barely inspires us. Read the stories in the book of Acts of the first century church. Have you ever read those stories and go, God, why don't you do those things today? What's changed between the book of Acts and the book of today? Me. Because God is still the same yesterday and today and forever. The great difference between present-day Christianity and that of which we read in the New Testament is the fact that we have taken this relationship with God and we've turned it into a religion of just simply moral you know, edification of, of this idea of saying, listen, it will be a moral code. If I will just live my life this way, if I will just do these things, then we'll be Okay. A guy by the name of J.B. Phillips says this about the New Testament church. To these men, it is quite plainly the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life altogether. They do not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Mere moral reformation will hardly explain the transformation and the exuberant vitality of the lives of these men. Listen, if if there was anything else, if if any other time in history, this thing would have been squashed. Think about this. They They were going through difficulties that we've never quite experienced. It's heartening to remember that this faith that we hold to took root and it flourished in conditions of persecution, in the face of death. Just to simply say, I am a follower of the way, in Nero's day, would get you to become a street lamp because he would take believers and use them to light the paths of the street. And yet in that, the gospel flourished. These early Christians were on fire with the conviction that they had become through Christ literal sons of God. They were the pioneers of a new humanity, founders of a new kingdom. J.B. Phillips goes on to say this, they will speak to us across the centuries. Perhaps if we believed what they believed, we might achieve what they achieved. And I, I would love to be a part of, of a movement and, and of a church where we see the things of the New Testament church happen. Here's the question. What you believe again will determine what you behave, how you behave. So what is it you believe about God? If you believe in a little God, guess what? He can't do anything. But I believe in a big God, seated high on a throne in the train of his robe, filled the temple with the glory of God. And the whole earth is full of his glory. We must believe some things. The resurrection of Christ offers to us the same power that the early church experienced. The early church saw thousands added to their number. Listen to this in Acts 2.41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Hello, church. What would you do if Pastor Don gave an invitation and 3,000 people walked forward to say, listen, I trust God today. Can I be baptized right now? Like, could you imagine that baptismal service next Sunday? I mean, he'd look like a prune by the time he was done. I mean, like his wrinkles would have wrinkles. Andrew would have to step in. The elders would have to step in. I mean, like, that's a lot of baptizing. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. It goes on to say in Acts 4.4, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. And we're excited when one person comes to Christ. Acts 2.47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They had this concept correct. They had this belief right that for me to live a life of love is not just moral behavior and modification to say it must be this way. It is this idea that Christ lives in me. The same Christ that died for me is alive in me. We must begin to believe some things. Like the New Testament church. We must believe. So, I've been working on um, a little magic trick just because I used to be a youth pastor and it's kind of cool to think of things. And so, I've been watching YouTube channels or, and people do this stuff where. You know, they kind of like hold up this thing like this, and they'll shake it some, and then they throw it up, and when they drop it, they've changed their clothes. So I've um, been working on this. Um, I... You ready? Okay. Okay, that was really anticlimactic. I got it. Note to self: Work on this more. Okay. Um, Jen said yesterday it takes ten thousand hours of practice to master something, so I guess I need to practice a little more. Here's what they began to believe. This is what I would call the Gospel according to Rubbermaid. So here's what they believe. So so here is you. Here is your life, and this is what the early church, the New Testament church, began to believe about God. They said this, we must believe that Christ lives in you. Paul wrote in Colossians 1 for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I'm very thankful for the fact that God sent his message to the Gentiles because I am not of Jewish descent. But he says this, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. And here's the beauty. Uh, He goes on to say that, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you can go through life all you want to, and life can shake you, and it can turn you upside down, and it can get crazy. But when you put your faith and trust in Christ, what happens? God's still there. The secret of the gospel is that Christ lives in you. Now, question for you, if this is your life and you're out living in the world, what do people see? You, with Christ in you, right? Like they might see Christ shine through every once in a while when I choose to give him control. I've put my faith in him. I've got that, that justifying grace, that saving grace, but I don't have that sanctifying grace, that, that grace that gives me the power to live. I'm not plugged in to the full source of what God is offering to me. So not only do we need to believe that Christ lives in you, you must believe that you're hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3, Paul steps into the next chapter and he says this, for you died to this life, this earthly life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. Okay. So not only is Christ in me, but now I'm in Christ. So when I'm going through life and, and things get crazy and things get hard and, and life is difficult or I feel the pressures of the world, what do people see in life? You see Christ more, right? I mean, I'm still in there. Like you can still see parts of me, but majority of the time you see Christ. And this is great, but can I tell you something? It doesn't stop there. I feel like a Ronco commercial. Just wait, there's more. But wait, there's more to this power of the resurrection of Christ that's available to us. Not only do we need to believe that Christ lives in us and our real life, not our imitation life, but our real life is hidden with Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 ends by saying this, in God. Our real life is hidden with Christ in God. So that's like saying, okay, so my life is found with Christ in me. I get that. And my real life is found in Christ. Okay, I'm there. And so my real life is hidden with Christ in God. Question, what do you see now? Do you see you I mean, you, you can maybe, possibly, like it's in there somewhere. I see glimpses of a letter maybe every once in a while, but I see a whole lot of God. I see a whole lot of Christ. I see a whole lot of the Father. This is what it looks like to be an imitator of God. This is what God has offered to you and I this morning to say, listen, church, it's not just about moral behavior. It's not about behavior modification. It's about understanding that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Many of us have put our faith and trust in God, but we've never plugged into the power of God to say, God, would you help me live this Christian life? Would you help me be your witness to the world? Here I am, God, send me. This morning, God is asking, who will be my witnesses? Who will be my messenger? Who will go for us to the world that's around us? Question, again, let's go back to this idea, what I believe will determine how I behave. If I believe that this is really the reality of life as a Christian, then it will change how I behave. Then guess what? I don't come to church on Sunday mornings out of obligation. I come because I wanna be around a bunch of other people who are all about God. And I wanna hear from God's voice. And guess what? You don't just hear from God on Sunday morning. You have the opportunity to hear from God on Monday morning and Tuesday night and Thursday at lunch and in the easy times and in the hard times because our real life is hidden with Christ in God. Many followers of Christ do their best to live the Christian life on their own, but they just miss it. They do it on their own strength, on their own power, on their own determination. Let's just do Better. The Christian life is impossible without the power of God. Jesus says this in John 15:5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him. Hello, Jesus was already talking about this idea of the life of a Christian is found in Christ. In Christ, in us. He it is that bears my truth. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so how do we do this? We must abide. I broke abide out five steps for you real quick. Abide. One, adore Christ more today than yesterday. Adore Christ more today than I did yesterday and strive to adore him more tomorrow than you do today. Adore means this idea of adoration, this idea of love and affection, of esteem, of value, of awe. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This week we've set time aside to draw near to him and he's met us right where we are. He's drawn near to us. The bee, Begin each day with prayer. Begin each day with God. Pray, read, worship. It's really easy to sometimes get stuck. We hit the snooze button nine times. We get up late. We don't hear the alarm and we just rush into our day. And then we wonder, what? why is this day so hard? But man, when we get up and we put God in his place and we begin seeking him First, we see God do some amazing things. Mark 1.35, Jesus did this, and and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus constantly lived this life. He started many of his days early with his father. It might mean that we need to go to bed a little bit earlier. It might mean that we've got to take our phones and set them to the side and Make sure we don't get distracted. I, imitate Christ's attitude and his actions. Imitate Christ's attitude and actions. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, we've looked at it this week. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Imitate Christ in his attitude and also in his actions. Disciples are, are people who said, you know what, I'm going to live with Jesus and I'm going to follow him. And they would begin to imitate. Like they would, they would take in and put on the same clothes he wore. They would eat the same things that he ate. They would walk the same way. They would do their best to talk like him and walk like him. Because they wanted to be an imitator of their rabbi. D, deny yourself. Mark 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny your wants, your desires, your plans, your dreams and your hopes and just say, God, here I am. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, yes, Lord, Put your yes on the table before you ever know what God is asking you to do. Just say, yes, God, I will be that person. E, expect God to show up and complete the work in you. Expect God to show up. Expect him to do something amazing every week Philippians 1 6 and I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus the reality of Christ in you it it invaded the lives of the first church the power of Christ in me helped them to become imitators and not imitations if you and I will abide in Christ we're going to see some amazing things happen in the days weeks and months and years to come That again, it's not a moment, it is is a movement. Colossians 1.10, this is what Paul says. When we begin to grasp this reality, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. If we will just begin to plug into this reality that Christ lives in me. This morning, you might be sitting here, and you know, you you might have come to church all your life, you might have grown up in church, but you've never put your faith and trust in God. You've never got that first step of Christ living in us or in you because you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. Maybe this morning that's you. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I I need to trust Jesus this morning. I'm going to ask Andrew if he'd come down front and I'll be here as well. If you just, if you want to come down and say, listen, I, I need Jesus in my life. We're here for you. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life. Maybe you've grown up in church all your life. But this idea of Christ living in you hasn't invaded your life. Maybe this morning you just want to get with God right where you are. Maybe it's just take a seat where you are. Maybe it's to kneel where you are. Maybe it's to, to come up to this altar and just, just get on your knees before God and say, God, I, I'm sorry. I've never plugged in to the power that you've given to me. Would you forgive me for trying to do this without you? God, I need you. Maybe this morning, you just need to start this abiding with God. Here's our question. Are you abiding in God? Is this reality of what Jesus said, I in you and you in me, Is this, does this characterize your life? If it doesn't. We're missing something. the Christian life about us. What I like, what I want, what I hope, what I dream. The whole time missing that it's all about the Father. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you in this moment. Lord, I'm not sure what you're doing in the hearts and lives of your people. But I got to believe that, Lord, even in my own self, I don't abide in you a lot. I do so much on my own strength and just sheer willpower. I still fall short. I still mess up. I still need. God, this morning, Lord, you're working in our hearts and our lives. You're showing us areas where, God, we have not given you control or we're not truly abiding. Some of us have kept parts of our hearts away from you. We've given you, our, we've, we've said we give you our lives, but, Lord, we've kept things for ourselves to control. We haven't let you invade us completely. God, this morning, would you draw us into a deeper relationship with you? Would you help us to see, God, our our need for you? God, would you help us to plug in to the power of your resurrection that you've given to us? Help us to not neglect that. if we're not abiding in you, would you in this moment help us to abide right here and right now in your presence? Lord, we love you. And we thank you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You stand. We're going to sing a song of, of invitation is what we call it, but it's just a time for us to respond to God. If God this morning is doing something in your life and you would like somebody to pray with you, I I want you to know we stand here ready to pray. But if there's somebody next to you and you're just like, man, would you go pray with me? God's working. Would you come and just respond however God is asking you to respond this morning as we sing